0: Man, having some church up in here this morning. Woo, I like it, I like it. What time are you guys getting here next week? 10, <laughs> Man, good job. Thank you all so much uh, for coming and leading us. I don't know what I gotta say on top of that. So uh, maybe we'll just have an invitation to move on out. Was that some wisecrack out there? Is that what that was? Uh, <laughs> Now, if you have your Bibles this morning, turn with me to the book of James, chapter two, and then mark your spot in Ephesians, chapter two. Second chapter, both James and Ephesians. If you don't have a Bible, there's one of the pew in front of you will be on page 1012 for James, moving back to page 976, Ephesians, you're welcome to use that Bible and then take it with you today. That's our gift to you. We want you to have a copy of the Bible to read and study because God will speak to you. God will change your life through that book. So uh, join along with us and then uh, take it with you today. Well, we're in week three of our study on God's gifts, taking the month of December to look at the gifts that we receive from God. Christmas is all about gifts. So we wanna think about the gifts that God gives to us through Jesus Christ using the word gifts. We've talked about grace the fact that we get unmerited favor, good things that we don't deserve from God. Uh, Last week we talked about intimacy with God. Our spiritual legacy is that of sin and disobedience and we deserve separation and punishment from God for our sin. But because of his grace, Jesus Christ dying for us, we get to be called the sons and daughters of God. God adopts us into his family through Christ. Well, this week we want to talk about faith and I want to use faith in the context of action and activity. Faith is what moves us to salvation, but also moves us in response to salvation, to obey God, to serve others and to share Christ with other people. And here's the thing, you may claim to have a faith system, but if you have a claim to have a faith system that doesn't lead to an active faith lifestyle, you don't have a biblical faith. You can have a faith system, but if it doesn't lead you to a faith lifestyle, then it's not a faith in Jesus Christ, and it's not the faith that the Bible teaches us that we are to live out and evidence as followers of Jesus Christ. In James chapter 2, he reminds us of this truth. Verse 14, here's what James says. He asks a rhetorical question. He says, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? The answer he's expecting is it's a no good faith. It's no good at all to say that you have faith, but that faith doesn't move you to respond with works. He says, next question, can that faith save him? Again, the answer he's expecting is no. Well, then James illustrates what our true faith in Jesus Christ, a true faith in God that moves us to action should look like. Here's what it should lead us to do. He says in verse 15, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you Says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body. What good is that? Again, the expected answer is it's no good. It's, It's not worth anything to say, Hey, we wish you well, but not take care of a need. He said, If you have a true faith in Jesus Christ, it will lead you to meet that need, to serve that person. this week a lady called, she was doing some research on some churches and so our name was on the list. And so she she called and one of her questions that she asked me, she said, what would you say is the identifying mark of your church? What are they most known for in the community as a church? Without missing a beat, I said, I know that, that answer without a second thought. This church is the most loving, caring, serving body of believers I have ever been a part of in my entire life. I said, hands down, that's what this church is known for. And I rattled off for her what you as a church have done just in the last couple of months. In October, we collected nearly 200, I believe it was 200 angel. Do you know what our total of shoe boxes was in October? I think it was about 200 shoeboxes for Operation Christmas Child that are going around the world, uh, given to boys and girls and giving missionaries an opportunity to share Christ. Then this week, we sent a team of missionaries down to spend three days at their facility preparing those boxes to to go around the world. And so I said, we did that in in the month of October. Then in the month of November, our caveman ministry, which is a group of men who get together to to study the Bible, to pray for each other, to encourage one another and build one another up. Uh, Not only do they get together for themselves, themselves, but they feel important that they serve uh, and meet people's needs. And so they've started ministering to homeless individuals in our area, and they don't just go and drop stuff off. They go and build relationships and talk and share with those individuals. And so this last month, we they collected winter clothing and winter supplies for those in our homeless community. We had a Bible fellowship class that collected uh, goods for Thanksgiving meals and took a number of families uh, full Thanksgiving meals to eat during during the Thanksgiving holiday. We followed Followed that up with the angel tree that you guys in two weeks bless 50 families in our community uh, by providing uh, resources for them during the Christmas season. And then about 10 days ago, we had a call come in. A family uh, in our community lost everything in a house fire within 24 hours. Word was out. People uh, from this body had responded by going and buying personal needs and clothing, things to help this family get started rebuilding their life. So I rattled those things off to her and I said, that's what Mount Pleasant Church is Mm -hmm. known for. And you are, you really are known for those things. I'm gonna talk even more next month as we get into another series about how God is taking that desire and heartbeat. I mean, he is really starting to grow that. And we're seeing more and more things that God is giving us opportunities to do in serving and ministering to our community. This is a church that's taking James chapter two and putting it into practice. Because James says, when you love Jesus and you have a true faith in him, it motivates you to serve other people. Well, he wraps up in here in verse um, 18 and says, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. And so this faith that we're going to talk about this morning moves us to respond in action to God's plans and God's purposes in our lives. And here's the thing about faith as it relates to our spiritual journey. Faith is essential to our salvation, to our spiritual growth, and to our obedience to God. Hebrews eleven six. 6. Hebrews 11 is called the faith chapter and I'll talk some more about it in a moment. Hebrews eleven six says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Doesn't say it's unlikely or it's improbable. It says it is impossible without faith to please God. And here's why he says that. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Two parts of that. So you believe that God exists and that he rewards those who seek him. You believe that. That is a mental assent and an acknowledgement that I believe God exists. He rewards those who draw near, but still you've not done anything. What happens then? Faith kicks in. Faith moves us to seek God, to seek after him. We draw near to him and that's how we receive salvation. That's how we grow and mature in our faith journey. But here's the thing about faith. We can't see it. It's not tangible. We don't measure it uh, in any way. Hebrews 11:1 one says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. God wants faith to be so real, so commonplace in your life that you exercise it everywhere you go and in everything that you do. That should be our experience of Faith. And it is vital. It is essential to our growth and maturity, our service to Jesus Christ and his kingdom. Just like this. Guys, if you want the lights for me, I'm going to take you back to a uh, middle school science class here for a minute. There are three things that are necessary for a fire to burn, right? You got to have a spark. So we got, oh, phew a little panic there like oh this is going to really go bad all of a sudden so you got to have a spark or a fire so we have the flame you have to have a combustible material which will serve the wick and the candle will serve as that so i take the fire i light the wick now a little note for later did it again so now this flame when i lit that did this one diminish in any way still burning bright doing just fine but now i have two lights that are here so i'm gonna let this one go So now we have the flame, we have the combustible material. What's the third thing that's necessary for a fire to burn? Oxygen, it needs air. So the lids off this candle, Air's going in, it's burning, doing just fine. But if I take this lid to this candle and I pop it on here, do you see how fast that thing went out? I was thinking, man, it's gonna take me 10 minutes, but that thing goes out quickly. When you cut the air supply off, that light was gone pretty instantaneously, no air. didn't didn't allow that fire to burn. You see what God calls us to in our life and our obedience to him is that faith is the air, the environment in which we live. And that fuels and allows God's light to shine brighter. The guy just sang a great song about Jesus, the light of the world, taking that light. We need faith to keep that light burning strong. And when our faith wavers, when doubt settles in, when we don't nurture uh, and help grow our faith and mature our faith, our light can diminish and not shine as brightly. Thank you, guys. So I want to talk this morning, two things related to faith. One, I want to talk about how it works in regard to our salvation in Christ. We're saved through faith, as we'll see in Ephesians 2. But then I want to talk about how we nurture and grow our faith so that we live as faithful and obedient witnesses and servants for Jesus Christ. So in Ephesians chapter 2, if you flip back there, I think it's page 976, if you're using the Pew Bible. Ephesians chapter two, verse eight, Paul says this, for by grace, unmerited favor, for by grace, you have been saved through faith, through faith faith. We need to hear those two words, through faith. He goes on and he says, uh, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. Both the grace and the faith to believe in Christ, both are a gift from God. Verse 9, not a result of works so that no one may boast. Not a result of works so that no one may boast. Well, let's take and let's Look at this phrase, through faith. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Through is a preposition. What does the word through describe? Describes going into something, but then also coming out on the other side of it, right? We refer to it in our life journey. I went through a difficult season, a difficult period in my life. Maybe it was health related, maybe it was financial, but things were good, and then things were not good. But then you came through that on the other side of it and can look back and see what God did in that. So, through uh, this afternoon, you're going to see some of this, unless you root for the Redskins. <laughs> oh, did I say that out loud? Oh, <laughs> well, what does that mean? All right, that's a touchdown, but after the touchdown, everybody the field goal. That's right, when they kick the ball and it goes through the uprights, it's a field goal, right? It's good, all right? So you get through. Uh, basketball is my sport. But when it goes through the hoop, it counts as points. And yes, my team didn't score enough yesterday against North Carolina. So yeah, we, we didn't put it through enough yesterday. We got it up there, but not through. So you get this idea of going through something and we go through. The, and the, Paul says that we are saved by grace through faith. We go through faith is how we receive our salvation. But here's the thing. I brought this little uh, object lesson for us this morning. This is, this is faith. Caleb helped me put this together Thursday this week. We've got a little faith right here. And remember what I said earlier about believing. I read in Hebrews eleven six that we believe that God exists. He rewards those who seek him and who who draw near to him. So we believe first. So we've got our gifts over here. We've been talking about these this month. We've got grace over here, the gift of grace, uh, intimacy with God uh, is one of God's gifts to us. So we're here, uh, we're in our sin condition. God stirs within us, helps us see clearly. He he opens our eyes because they've been darkened by by Satan uh, to, to understanding the gospel. God opens our eyes, we see it. We believe that God's grace sent Christ to die for us. We believe that if we trust in him, we can receive salvation. And in the book of Acts chapter 16, the Philippian jailer is about to kill himself. An earthquake happened. He wakes up, all the prison doors are open. He's like, great, all the prisoners are gone because when prisoners have an open door, what do they do? They run, all right? So he wakes up, they're all gone. He's gonna kill himself because he knows that his superiors are gonna kill him for losing the prisoners. Paul says, don't do it. We're all here, we're all accounted for. And the dude's like... Takes him, you are here, and he realizes that this is a work of God. So he comes to Paul. He falls before him and says, "Sir, what must I do to be saved?" Acts chapter sixteen. What does Paul say to him? Believe, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you'll be saved. Romans ten. Paul says, "If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and." believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead you will be saved belief starts us we we believe these things so we believe but then what you are saved by grace through faith what does it mean to go through faith you know what it's about to mean to go through faith right this was a really good idea when I was in my sweatpants and a t-shirt this week now I'm like I hope I don't split my pants through here we go through we're saved by grace through faith so we go through faith we go in And while we're here, what are we? Stuck. <laughs> we're, we're in faith, right? We're in faith. This, I'm not trusting my, I'm in faith. I'm totally surrounded in felt. It is a work of God in my life. And if I can get out of here without pulling a muscle, we'll be good. All right, through Faith. You know, my kids love to go through things, through tunnels. We always beep the horn going through. You're not supposed to in, in Norfolk, Virginia Beach, which is a cool thing. You know, we moved here, although why did they go four lanes into two lanes to get into the tunnel? It's crazy out there. But you drive under the ocean out there, my kids are like, Dad, they ought to make this clear so you can see. I'm like, I don't know that that'd be a good idea or not, you know. <laughs> this you know, big USS warship aircraft carrier kind of over top. I think it's gonna be distracting, you know, driving through the tunnel, but they always want to beep the horn and stuff. But you know, we, we go through and the Bible tells us we are saved by grace through faith. Faith is the action we believe, but faith moves us and causes us to respond to God's gift of salvation. We respond and we receive what Christ has done for us. But this response isn't about us It's about the work that God has done. I mentioned Hebrews chapter 11. It's called the the faith chapter, the hall of faith. It has individuals, many, many people of our faith legacy and it highlights the work that God did in their life and how they set an example for us of faith. And it speaks about Abraham. It says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. So God promised Abraham that he would have descendants and that they would be his chosen people. That God would provide salvation. Abraham believed that promise of God. And it was credited to him as righteousness. He was saved by that act of faith and believing God. And God held true to that promise, didn't he? God sent Jesus and Jesus came and he died on the cross. And, and he, he was resurrected from the dead because God said, I accept the sacrifice of my son who's perfect and unblemished, the spotless lamb. And God received that sacrifice and he resurrected his son from the dead so that those who believe in Christ can experience that same resurrection. But you see, Abraham believed it in advance. It hadn't happened yet, but he believed it would and it was credited to him as righteousness. You know, for us, we have to do the same thing. We believe that Jesus died for us, that God provided a way for us to become his children. Now, we believe it from what God has accomplished and already done in the past. But you know what? That also gives us confidence that God will do what he's promised in the future, right? So we believe. And that belief, just as it did for Abraham, moved him to faith. So does it move us to faith and trusting in Christ for salvation. So we read these verses, and there's this sense of, this calm, this peace, this relaxation that comes over us because we hear that we're saved by grace through faith, not by works so that no man can boast. And there's a period at the end of that sentence, not by works so no man can boast and we go, ah. But you see, then I think there's a danger, there's a temptation that that settles into the Christian life, this apathy, this complacency, because we see where we do nothing to earn salvation, to work for our salvation, we receive it as a gift. And for some people that translates into then, then we don't have to do anything in our lives as believers and followers of Christ because it's not about works, right? And we just said, Paul said, not by works, so that no man can boast, period. But just before we can think, man, I'm on autopilot. I got my ticket to heaven. I'm going to sit back and just cruise through life. Just before we go into complacency and apathy mode, Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writes verse 10. Look at what he says in verse 10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for, what does he say? Good works. You're like, oh man. Just when I was ready to sit back, relax, and just let everything happen, Paul says, no, you're created in Christ Jesus to do good works. He says, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Walking conveys action and movement. This is not walking, this is standing. This is walking. So Paul says we don't work to earn our salvation, but once we have received the salvation that God has provided, then that moves us and compels us. And God expects us to do good works, to live in obedience and to put that faith into Action, And when you read to Hebrews 11, I know some of you are reading with us the Move Me Challenge, and we're in Isaiah this month because it's got so many prophecies around the birth of Christ. But if you get a chance this week, in addition to your Isaiah reading, read through Hebrews chapter 11. It's the Hall of Faith, the faith chapter, and it lists all these different people. But as you do, I want you to underline or circle the response, the action Of those individuals, that indicates that their faith in God was true and real and was evidenced in their life. You'll read things like this. Abel offered, Noah constructed. Abraham left his home. Jacob blessed his sons. Joseph gave directions concerning his bones. Moses chose to be mistreated and he kept the Passover by sprinkling the blood of the lamb. The Israelites crossed the Red Sea. Joshua circled Jericho and the walls fell down. Rahab believed the promise and hung the cord out the window so that she would be saved. Do you hear all those action words? This is the chapter of faith and it lists these people who had faith faith and it tells us how their faith was evidenced. And it's with the action, with their response to the promises that God made to them. And then the Bible tells us, the New Testament gives us several descriptors of what our faith in action should look like. It says, the righteous shall live by faith. So we live by faith. Galatians 2.20, Paul says, the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the son of God. So we live by faith uh, through Christ. 2 Corinthians 5 says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by faith. In 1 Corinthians 16, Paul says, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, be strong. Stand firm in the faith. All these descriptors of how our faith should be a natural, normal experience and part of our lives. And here's the thing, God wants this environment. I mentioned the air earlier, and we saw that with the flame. God wants faith to be the environment in which you live your life. And you say, well, how do we do that? It's so, it's so, so nebulous and, and difficult to describe. No, it's not. You live and you exercise faith and belief in conjunction every single day, often without even thinking about it. For example, as I look around the room right now, every single one of you have already evidenced belief in something this morning, which led you to respond with an act of faith. Every single one of you, you walked in, you came to the pew in which you're sitting, you walked to your seat and without even a conscious thought, you believed that that pew would hold you up. You believed it. And then you know what you did? You acted in faith by relaxing your muscles, bending your knees and sitting down didn't you think about it if you didn't believe that pew would hold you up would you be sitting right now say no i am gonna be sitting here if i think this thing was going to fall through to the floor now some of you're going does he know something i don't you know you're kind of checking out but but here's the thing it goes beyond that you believed and you acted in faith you know what you're actively doing right now you're resting in that faith you're resting in the faith that you evidenced earlier Because until I just brought it up, you hadn't thought a second thing about whether or not you're gonna fall through to the floor and be really embarrassed in front of all these people, did you? Hadn't thought about it. That faith is so normal, so common in your life that you just exercised it. You had faith in that. God wants your faith in him to be that real and more. That as you go throughout your day and you hear a whisper in your heart, you feel that tug of, Showing love to someone, of ministering, of doing something to honor Christ, that when you hear it, you respond immediately in faith and in obedience to what God is speaking to your heart about. He wants your faith to be that real, that strong in your life. So I think that kind of leads us to the next question about faith actively in our lives is this. If our faith is to be that strong in that kind of environment in which we live, how do we get it to that point? How do we grow and mature in our faith so that we do hear that whisper from God, that we do uh, reach out and shine the light of Christ when given the opportunity? Well, I want you guys to, to, you pay very close attention and listen closely because you've never heard this before, but I'm gonna tell you how you grow stronger and how you mature in your faith. You ready? This is radical. It's it's new. This is gonna be something, a new concept for you. You cultivate a growing personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I know it's radical, you've never heard that before, right? Look on our bulletin, it's our mission statement to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. We talk about it all the time. How do you want your faith to grow and how do we grow and strengthen our faith uh, in our obedience to Christ? We grow in our relationship with Jesus. And think about it in this way. This is why that is so important. What starts us to respond and move in faith and obedience, anything that God does, it's belief. We believe God's promises. We believe that his word is true. We believe he will do what he said he's done. We believe in Christ, we believe in him. That belief moves us to faith action, a faith response. Both our belief and our faith are rooted in Christ. Therefore, it only makes sense that if they're going to grow and they're going to get stronger, they're going to be nourished from growing in a relationship with Christ. You can't mature your faith with any substitute. If it's works, uh, if it's your good deeds, if it's your power, if it's your talent, if it's your good looks, whatever you may put your faith in, if it's not Jesus Christ, it's not going to function. You're not going to have the experience of faith the Bible uh, promises that we will experience and you will not know the fullness of Christ in your life. It's a cheap substitute. No matter what it is, if it's not Jesus Christ that you're pursuing and growing in, it is a cheap substitute and you will not experience what the Bible says we will experience from knowing Christ and living in obedience and surrender to him. I think of it in this way. Some of you know that, uh, that our family has a wave runner. Uh, we have, we've had one for several years and I kind of stumbled into having a wave runner, jet ski, if you don't know what a wave runner is. Um, we had some good friends that we camped with in Kentucky. So we went out one weekend and we actually rented wave runners while we were there. They had a blast. They'd never done it before. Uh, they had a blast. So they went home and they bought one, a brand new one. And these were the really good friends who said, hey, if you guys are going camping and want to borrow the wave runner, you're welcome to it. Bam, baby. So we went camping and we borrowed that wave runner. We had a great time. And as I would come in to pick up the kids and, you know, to bring people in on the tube and stuff, I got in too close to the bank one time and I scraped the bottom on some rocks and that leaves scratches and dents in your wave runner. So we towed it back home, told them what happened. They took it to the shop, had it repaired and gave me the bill because I told them I wanted to pay for it and I paid for it. That was an expensive camping trip, a lot more expensive than, than taking the stuff we did. And so, but these were really good friends. We borrowed a couple more times. I was very you know, sure not to get closer you know, to, to the bank this time. And then one of the subsequent trips when we were out, the oil light came on and it was getting low. And I know the Bible, not engines, all right? So I was like, oh, it needs oil. So I tooled over to the marina and what's the old commercial? Motorola's Motorola? Is that what that old commercial was? I just got some oil and I dumped in this bad boy. So about for 10 minutes, I'm like, yeah! And then all of a sudden it went, "Woo!" And it was a buoy is what it was. I mean, it floated right out there in the lake. It wasn't, you know, drop an anchor and we were, we were set, you know? I was like, what happened to this thing? I had no clue what it was. Put it on the trailer, take it back home. The slow, miserable trip. Oh, what have I done now? So take it back. Same deal. They take it in. They drain all of the bad oil out of this. Give me the bill. So I'm about $1,000 in on this wave runner. And I told this couple, if you ever sell this, I've put the down payment in it. I got dibs, all right? <laughs> so they did. They went up selling us that thing. we've had it for several years. And guess what? Only goes in the opening for oil on that wave runner. The correct kind of oil, four-cycle Bombardier engine oil. I know my oil now because I know the only thing that makes that thing work properly is that kind of oil. Church, listen to me. Jesus Christ is the only source that will grow and mature our faith as we know him and we love him and we serve him in obedience. Everything else is a cheap substitute. So how do we grow and mature our faith? Again, some radical new stuff. Listen closely. If you want to cultivate a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, you do these things. Read and study God's word. First time I've said that this week, right? That, that, we, that we read and we study God's word because you read God's word, God speaks to you. Your heart lifts, your attitude, your outlook, your perspective changes because God's word is living and active and it does a work within us as we read and study it. Another thing that we do to, to have a growing relationship with Christ, we pray. God speaks to us, God calms us, God gives us instruction as we pray. He guides us. So we spend time in prayer. Another thing that we do, spend time in biblical community with other believers because those people will encourage and lift us up and pray for us and help us grow in Christ and help us strengthen our faith. Another thing that we do to grow our faith and, and, and a personal relationship with Christ, serve other people. Take the focus off of yourself and serve other people. I often say this, the quickest way to end a pity party for yourself is to throw a party for someone else. Oh, woe is me, it's this, it's that. Stop focusing on you, serve someone else and see what a blessing that is and how much you realize what God has already done and is doing in your life. And the last thing is this, share your faith. You wanna grow in your faith, share your faith with someone else. You remember the the lighter in the candle earlier, the lighter was lit, lit the candle. Did the lighter's flame diminish? No, it burned brightly. Then there were two lights and you light another light and you light another light and the light of Christ begins to grow. Share your faith with other people will help grow and strengthen your faith and your walk with Jesus Christ. So two things in response to the message this morning. First of all, if you have never responded in faith, to the good news that Jesus Christ died for you, paid the price for your sins so that you can become a son or daughter of God. Would you take that step of faith and obedience today? Come speak to a pastor so we can share with you how you can receive God's gift of salvation in Christ through faith by believing and receiving that gift of salvation. But some of you I know are believers here today. And so I I ask you to very prayerfully consider through the Holy Spirit, these things about your life. Are you living by faith as the Bible called us to? Are you walking by faith? Are you standing strong in your faith? Is your faith in God moving you to action to serve other people? You know, if your answer is, well, no, not really, or no, not like I should be or like I want to be, then, my question and my challenge for you is what do you need to do then in response to this message today to further pursue a growing relationship with Jesus Christ? God may have spoken something to you this morning. Yeah, I've gotten lax in my Bible reading. I'm not spending the time in prayer. I'm not serving. I'm not in community with other believers. I'm not sharing my faith. I know I need to do that. Then, whatever it takes for you to make those adjustments and give that focus, that priority in your life, pursue those things so you can pursue Christ so that your faith in him will increase, so that your light will shine brighter, so that God will use you to make him known to the people around you. Let's pray.